It's the Really Charlie Podcast. Making memories last. Your time, my time, we all shine. On the Really Charlie Podcast. Yeah, from my page. Okay. It's the Really Charlie Podcast. Yeah, it's the Really Charlie Podcast. Yo, yo, it's the Really Charlie Podcast. Bump into your broadcast. Grab a chair, fill your glass. Yeah, it's the Really Charlie Podcast. Yo, it's the Really Charlie Podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's the Really Charlie Podcast. Bump into your broadcast. Grab a chair, fill your glass. Hey, 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 welcome to the Really Charlie Podcast. I'm Charlie Perry, and my guest today is Ethan's mom, baby boy, as she called him. This is definitely um, a great honor for me to have this fabulous woman on my podcast to kind of enlighten everyone about um, suicide. You know, it's a touchy situation, touchy situation. circumstances at t- at times but we all have to speak about this it's very 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 important we never know what's going on within um each other's lives so you know talking about it is very very important so hello how you doing i'm doing good and yourself charlie thanks so much for having me oh uh, this is great i um i'm so glad we got in contact with each other to basically do this podcast and it's real real important to me to get this message out only because I was also in this in a situation where I thought about suicide and um that was at the age of uh I say 17 years old and um it really hit me hard I was uh I was definitely determined and, and ready for it um and thank God he kept me on this earth so I could uh, do the things I've done over my over over the years, over my lifetime. And, um, you know, gave me another shot, gave me another chance. So, um, Absolutely, because um, Ethan loved and respected you so much um, and found a sense of peace at New Bedford High School because knowing that he could always talk to you. Yes, so I really, uh, really appreciate that. It was, uh, it was a great first impression when I met him. Um, definitely well-mannered, um, very polite. And when you start hearing teenagers say please and thank you, good morning, mm-hmm. have a good day, um, have a good weekend, happy birthday, you know, it all came from the lips of Ethan and, um, so I am uh, honored that I got a privilege, a chance to know him and, and, and watch him grow into the great man that he is. is he was. Um, let's see. I um, it's a friend of ours saying hello, Anna. Anna saying hello. 
And um, I, um, no, I, I want to, I'm going to bring up the poster about the, what you're going to end up doing is, is uh, on October 16th. But um, tell me, what, what message are you trying to deliver today on the podcast? A couple of messages. The first message is that the Don't Lose Hope 5K for suicide awareness is an opportunity to not just bring attention to suicide awareness, but to bring, to be more specific and to bring awareness to the black and brown male communities. Um, Those communities, suicide um, is often underreported for black and brown males. It often doesn't look like the criteria that um, was developed. The criteria is usually developed for uh, majority folk. So for instance, there are males that have committed suicide, but it's listed as a drug overdose. And one only has to look at Facebook or Instagram after that person has died and see their friends say, oh man, I thought you were okay with that. I thought, I didn't realize that you were still hurting. I wish Mm -hmm. you would have called me. I didn't know that was still going on. That's not, it's not a drug. It is they died by, the suicide was by drug overdose. Um, Then we have another form of suicide that we don't talk about. And it's often, uh, it is when uh, black males are murdered. Right. And folks will say, I don't understand. He's more level headed than that. Why did he why was he in that neighborhood? Why was he with that crew? Well, mm-hmm. when you feel that your life has no value and it has been affirmed by structures and major in society, it only takes like a couple of friends to say, you know, yo, man, such and such is in trouble. We're going to ride over there and do such and such. Mm-hmm. It's thundering. Well, <laughs> um, we're going to ride. calling out to us. You know? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that we're going to ride over there and we're going to square up, right? If you don't feel that you have worth, then you're like, I ain't got nothing to lose. Let's yes. ride, right? And so my... My goal is that here's a unique opportunity for this race happens, but for us, the folks that are on Ethan's team, to bring attention to the needs of Black and Brown males, right? And the fact that we have resources in the city, right, but we don't have resources specifically designed for Black and Brown males. You cannot treat a black or a brown person, and I'm talking about therapeutically, if you don't understand the impact of racism and oppression, yes. right? And you don't understand that, like for instance, things happen all the time to me. And mm-hmm. my saying is, I gotta pay that water bill. I gotta pay that mortgage. I don't wanna be cold this winter and I wanna mm-hmm. keep lights on. So I'm gonna have to let that pass. Yes. Right. Um, But when you're younger, you know, you have to let it pass. But I remember Ethan saying to me um, once when he was um, in junior high school 
and he was coming home from school and he and his friends got stopped by New Bedford police Mm -hmm. um, and they wanted to see their IDs and they accused them of having guns. And Ethan had just transferred from St. Mary's Catholic school Mm -hmm. over to Keith Junior High and he didn't understand what was going on. And he kept trying to explain who he was, right? And not that Ethan would lie, but his white male friends who they weren't asked for their IDs or anything Mm -hmm. explained, well, told the same story that Ethan told without Ethan being present. Their mothers called that evening and said, how can we help, right? Mm -hmm. And um, Ethan was terrified for anybody to know because he said, you're at work. You're at work in Bridgewater. Yes. They're going to get me again. And it's going to be worse, right? People don't necessarily understand what that does to a human being's psyche. And especially because aren't police supposed to be those that help you? And Ethan was really confused because he would say, Mr. Perry is not like that. Mm -hmm. You know, so it was confusing as to who you can trust. Yeah. Um, Just small things that, that, that eat away at someone. But before I get too far into that, I want to talk, go back to and let folks know that we have a team and it's called the Ethan Smart Barnes and hashtag LLEB Foundation. Um, and that's the team. We have a banner. We'll be walking behind that banner. Um, the actual, well, it's the 5K, but I will be struggling to walk that 5K. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on October 16th. And we're meeting at Buttonwood Park at 8 a.m. And the race starts at um, 8.30. You don't, you can run, you can jog, you can walk, you can ride a bike, you can put your children, your baby in a baby stroller, in a stroller and push the stroller. Just nice. be there, be there and unite it. You know, it, it puts a spotlight, you know, yeah. on it. Um, I'm going to try to put the banner up right now, um, post forever. Yep. Um, it, uh, I just want to put it up there that way. It's, um, so any of you that are on Facebook, on YouTube, LinkedIn, you know, all you have to do is press the pause button and you can read the poster and there's all the information that you need. Um, October 16th is actually next Sunday. Yes. And, thank you. Um, and what I'm going to do is periodically, um, keep, posting this on the social media so people will know. So thank you. All right. Um so some of the things that one of the bigger things I want to talk about also is that you know therapeutic intervention is such an intimate relationship. You have to be able to trust this stranger, right? You have to feel comfortable that this person is not only going to understand you, understand what you're struggling with, but also is going to work with you to find a solution. Now, there are different um, different professionals are trained different ways. Um, licensed clinical social workers are trained that Every human being really holds the answer within themselves. 
right? And that they help this person to bring that answer to the surface and strategize how you can leverage whatever that answer is. It is really difficult. Like for me, I could not be in treatment with someone who was really young because they would not understand what I'm facing in life right now. The book knowledge is important, but also the experience, right? Um, The living, right? The lived experience is important. Um, Stephen, thank you so much. And I'm so sorry um, that you lost your cousin. Um, I hope you'll join us on uh, Sunday, October 1st. In New Bedford, we, I mean, it's a, it's a national problem, but as with most problems that are national in New Bedford, it's, um, it's greater, right? Mm-hmm. We don't have enough trained, diverse clinicians, yeah. right? And trained in grief, right? And grief recovery, trained in suicide awareness and prevention. One of the things that the foundation that we're working on for Ethan hopes to do is to bring this amazing, amazing, amazing Black woman. Her name is Dr. Donna Barnes. Mm -hmm. She um, trains um, medical students on suicide awareness and prevention at Howard University's medical school. And she, her son died of suicide. I think, I think he was like 19 and he died of suicide, I think maybe some 10 to 15 years ago. And what she says is she didn't even know anything was wrong. And that's what people don't understand. You know, they don't understand that like with Ethan, um, you know, people say, well, how long had he been sick? You know, and folks can be depressed, but that doesn't necessarily make you suicidal, mm-hmm. right? But it could be like the perfect storm of a lot of intense things that are happening in your life. And if one of those things were removed, that person could have made it, right? But, it, mm-hmm. but having them all happen at the same time, they can't make it. And one of the things that everyone that knew and loved Ethan has shared is that they didn't know, not everyone, there are people, there's a small circle, but others would say, we didn't know he was going through all of that, right? And it's because we all, even the healthy of us, the healthiest of us, especially brown and black people, That's how you survive in a society that is rooted in racism and oppression is you learn to put a mask on, right? Put a mask on. For instance, I work in an environment where I do not have a law degree, but I work at the law school Mm -hmm. and I was hired to do diversity and equity work. And there are not everybody, but some of the folks there don't think I know what I'm talking about because I don't have a law degree. So I have to put that mask on 
um, where if I took the mask off, I'd really want to say, well, you're the reason why they had to hire me. You know, <laughs> you're the reason why they had to hire me. It's you and people like you. Right. But instead, you know, I have to take a more diplomatic approach and say, what is it that makes you uncomfortable about the content that I'm sharing with you? They, uh, I think a lot of they have this hmm, defense mechanism and where it's, it's, it's believe it or not, your title, you got their elbows up already. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're already, it's already up. So mm-hmm. to me, that that's a barrier, especially mm-hmm. with somebody like, somebody like you, constant professionals trying to do that ice breaking thing, trying to break the ice. But as soon as they see that title, it's like, boom, there's a big barrier. So now you got to break down the barrier, then produce another icebreaker to say, mm-hmm. hey, I just want to have a conversation. I want right. to help. I right. Wanna. And um, so, but uh, you keep the fight going, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, so some of the things that when we look at, first of all, we're never going to know what was the final thing that pushed um, Ethan to the darker side, right? Because mm-hmm. um, there were so many things, small things that were happening. And, you know, some of the things that we need to be aware of is intergenerational trauma, right? And it's passed from one, it is passed from um one generation to another. And even when you sometimes try to resist it, then what can happen is that there could be lots of um, pressure to remain the way that we've always been, right? As a parent, I wish when I'm going, when I'm thinking back, that I wish that I had been stronger you know, um, in, in holding to um, my and Ethan's dad's beliefs and how we wanted to raise our children. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that, you know, when we talk about increasing minimum wage to a livable wage, I don't think that people understand. Like I hear some people, former students will say, I've heard them say things like, um, why should this person get paid the same amount that I got paid? I went to college and they didn't. And mm-hmm. I'm like, it's not about that. It's about us being able to feed our children without working three or four jobs, right? Yeah. So that we can be there for our children and we can raise our children. We can have dinner with our children. We can do homework with our children. And guess what? We're not as stressed, right? Because you're doing three or four jobs. I may not have looked like it, but I was working four jobs. I mm-hmm. taught, had my full-time job. I taught an undergraduate course in social work. I taught a graduate course in social work, and I did the court investigations. And there were times that those all were happening all at one time. Why? Because social workers don't make that much money. No. 
No. You know, and so did it make me um, did it make me short on patience? Absolutely. Because what I would have to do is after I taught the class and I got home, I would fix dinner and, you know, do those things. Right. I was dog tired. And then I set up to like one, two, three o'clock in the morning. Right. Doing the court investigations you know, writing up the interviews and things like that. And I often think about folks that didn't have access to some of the resources that I had, and they were working two and three, who knows, four jobs, right? And what that was like for them. And we as a society have to understand that that causes critical strain on the family unit, right? Something else is work. Ethan was the youngest and the first ever for that particular firm, uh, corporation he's worked for, construction company, mm -hmm. uh, foreman. And the stories that he told me, and he, the first thing he would say is, Mom, don't call any of your friends. I can handle it. Yes. But understand that it's a different environment. It's an environment where when he became a foreman, the N-word was used to him on a regular basis, right? Mm -hmm. um, there, were, um, there was an incident where the job wasn't done to, Ethan was very, very particular, right? With carpentry and the job yes. wasn't done um, in a respectable manner. And he spoke to the gentleman and asked him to do it over. And because the gentleman was older, well, I won't say gentleman, the man was mm -hmm. older, even though Ethan was the supervisor, he was the foreman, he got up in his face and he tried to provoke him to fight, you know? And Ethan knew, he told me, he felt that that guy wouldn't have done that if Ethan wasn't black and he wasn't young. Yeah. You know, so those things contribute as well. And where is he going to get his help when there is a very small percentage of clinicians that understand that, that have experienced, have lived that experience, right? Um, and understand, understand why it's important to have someone who at least is, um, has experienced your experiences or who is strong enough to say, I don't know what that's like. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, well, you should do blah, 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 blah. And this is what we want to do. Right. So we have, we have that that contributes, you know, um, I think one of the most difficult jobs that I have ever engaged in was co-parenting. I agree. Co-parenting, you know, even if you're married and living in the same household, co-parenting, right? Mm -hmm. And honestly, I didn't grow up with a lot of examples of co-parenting. You know, I'm not saying that they weren't married and not saying if you're not married, that's a bad thing. But I'm just saying I didn't see people co-parent, mm -hmm. right? It was always the mother and what she said goes. Exactly. You know, but <laughs> you can't do that 
if you want to share the responsibilities that are engaged with parenting, right? You've got yeah. to share. So, you know, those stressors. And Ethan was a young father and he was co-parenting. And he loved his children more than anything in this world. I believe it. I you know, he loved it. his his children, his two dogs, and his partner, Carly. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just accepted that, you know, I was behind Carly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was used to being in front, but I was behind yeah. Carly. And if I didn't, like, shape up and get behind Carly, then I was going to be out the door. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um So, you know, those, you know, some of those things. Um, And he was also going to school. He started off at Bridgewater, liked it, but he said it just wasn't him. He was Mm -hmm. just doing it, he said, because his father and I wanted him to do that. And then somewhere along the line, um, when he started working for the union, carpentry, oh my gosh, it was like he was floating on air. He was mm-hmm. able to do things that he didn't learn at home. Yes. He didn't learn from the family. And he just, like, he, I, like, I watched him in his house lay oak flooring plank by plank by mm-hmm. himself. And then, well, himself, and he taught um, his partner, Carly, um, yeah. how to do it. And his son used to be down nice. there. I'll send you a video of, of it. And, oh, please do. and and then they stained it, right? I watched him do that. And I said, how did you learn how to do that? And he said, yeah, you know, dad's a good guy, but he wasn't really good with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he said, um, I just pay attention. Mm-hmm. He said, I just pay attention, you know. Um, but, you know, he was going to school at Wentworth and there were times he would call me after work when he was heading to class. Most of the times he was talking to Carly and he would say, mom, just, I just need you to stay on the phone with me because I had Mm -hmm. no parking. I have to walk. He says, I got these daggone tools I have to carry. And I'm like, naive me. I'm like, E, why are you carrying your tools? And he said, if they jack my truck, he said, and my tools are in my truck, now I can't work because I don't have any tools. So he was carrying them in a not great neighborhood. And he would tell me exactly where he was so that I could call 911 if he had a problem. But the yeah. point, Charlie, is, is that I know he's a grown man, but he'll always be my baby, right? Of course. My baby got up at 4.30 every morning, and he was on the road at 5.30. And he got home. When he wasn't in class, he got home about 7, 7.30 at night. And then it was repeat. And he did it six days a week. When he had class, he had class until like 8, 8.30. And so he got home sometimes around 9.30, 10. And he would call and say, just talk to me because um, I'm going to fall asleep. Yeah, long day. You know? yeah. So, but that's that's pressure, you know, that's pressure as well as so many young people have told me how Ethan talked them down from committing suicide. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that just means that you're carrying a lot. Yeah. Same. You know, you're carrying a lot. 
Um, so my hope is that we can begin conversations because there's so much stigma, not just attached to suicide, but in the black and brown communities. And I understand why, right? Because there have been health disparities in our communities leading, you know, going back a hundred years. So people aren't that trusting always of medical doctors, therapists, psychiatrists, right? But we have to talk about it and we have to remove that stigma. And that's what we're trying to do on October 16th is removing the stigma. You know, when Ethan, when Ethan died, when Ethan completed suicide, some of my friends that are faculty called and said, here's some great grief groups to join. One group is just not suicide, but parents who have lost a child. Yeah. Reached out to the woman that headed up the group, the closest group, which is in Providence. And I reached out. We had a couple of conversations. She invited me. They only meet twice a month. I was really looking forward to the meeting. I didn't sleep well the night before. Um, I The next morning, the morning of the meeting was that evening. And she calls me up and she says, hey, Andrea, how are you? Just checking in. Just 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 checking to make sure that you're still coming. We're looking forward to meet you and all that good stuff, right? And I was feeling kind of good. nervous, but really good, right? And then she said, oh, and by the way, you don't have to be embarrassed or ashamed because your son committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And I was like, not the group for me. Because yeah. I never, I was never embarrassed. I was no. never ashamed, right? I was more pained about the pain that my son was carrying. So, you know, we have to remove the stigma. We have to remove the stigma so that folks, brown and black men, can become vulnerable and seek help, right? Exactly. So. um, Sometimes what happens is... When you're in those type of, when you're in any group, period, people mm-hmm. want to be heard instead of listening. Mm-hmm. And that initial, that initial contact should be, "Hello, I'm Charlie. What's your name?" Mm-hmm. And just let it fly. Just let that conversation go where it's gonna go. And it may not be. It may be nothing. Nothing whatsoever. And even if it's nothing other than you saying, well, have a good evening. If you need me, I'll be right here. Mm-hmm. I agree. Just those simple things. You know what? Mm-hmm. Just let it go the way it's going to go. Let it flow the way it's going to flow. Mm-hmm. Someone may just need to just be there in that circle, in that arena, in that venue. But sometimes some people just have to talk when they don't need to. Mm-hmm. You don't need all that conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, it may be stressful just to get there. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. And on that note, I have such a strong sister circle of diverse women. And I can say that one of my, two of my friends, one is she's more, um, she's family. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe there's a difference between relatives and family. Some relatives are family. Some relatives 
are just relatives because by blood. And then you have some friends that are family and you're not blood related. So these two particular women, um, uh, Cheryl Thomas and uh, a sorority sister, Adrienne Wartz, came and got me. They work all week and they came and got me every weekend. And um, we would go to the beach in Westport because it's so small and so serene. We'd go mm-hmm. to Goose, uh, Gooseneck Beach, right? Yep. And they would be there with me all day. And I probably never said more than 10 words, right? And they understood. I always say they understood the assignment and, you know, they helped me to survive. Um, so I would just thank you, Cheryl Ann. Yes. Um, I mean, really, Charlie, I was out there. We were out there from like maybe 10 o'clock in the morning to six o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. They made fun of me because I had this big old cooler. I had everything you could possibly think of in the cooler. They were like, does she have cheese and crackers in there? Does she have a charcuterie board in there? Does she? Wait a minute. She's got wine in there. She's yeah. got water in there. She's got a salad. She's got crab meat. Oh, my That's gosh. Nice. Who are you? Who are you? Right. Yeah. Great. I would just sit there and look at the water. Because some of the best summer time that we had is when Ethan and I would pack up the car, drive down to Felma, take the ferry over to Martha's Vineyard, join his godfather and uh, godfather and his wife, a close sister friend they from Maryland, and mm-hmm. we would rent a house for a week on the vineyard. And at that time, it was the best thing because... Ethan's cell phone didn't work on the vineyard. <laughs> and he would be so upset, right? But mm-hmm. after maybe a day or so, he wasn't upset anymore. Oh, my cousin, Claudia Cruz. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Claudia. Um, we would, I mean, we had the best time. And he would say things like, the only thing this phone is good for is me seeing myself walking through the woods to get back to the house. I'm from mm-hmm. New Bedford. One time, <laughs> stood outside the house screaming, Mom, Mom, Mom. His godfather, big guy, played football mm-hmm. from BC, right? And his, let me go out there and see what see what my nephew is yelling about. And then his name is da- David, but we call him New Daddy. Mm-hmm. Um, he came back in laughing and he said, I'm going to go out and rescue your son. There's a deer staring at him and he won't move. (laughs) (laughs) He won't move. And new daddy said, we got to get you out the city more, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So just when I was sitting on that beach, looking at the water, facing the water, I just felt a sense of calmness, a sense of calmness you know, and thinking about those times when we were there and I could, he would leave the house in the morning with his cousins Mm -hmm. and, excuse me, not come back until like different times during the day, we may see each other, we may miss each other. And I didn't have to worry about him getting jumped, Mm -hmm. him getting shot, any of those things. 
<coughs> excuse me, I didn't even have to worry about the police stopping him, right, on the vineyard. Yeah. And one of the things that happened there was it was like New Bedford used to be. People would stop by the house where we were and they'd say, we saw J.D. and Ethan. Mm-hmm. And then um, new daddy, David, David Thomas, would text J.D. and say, you've been seen. Yeah. <laughs> you and Ethan have been seen, right? And then they'd come back and say, well, what did they say? We weren't doing anything, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, always know I got eyes on you. Yes. My point is, as Claudia wrote, water is so healing and so calming, you know. I really felt his presence. I want to tell you a little bit about a little bit more about Dr. Donna Barnes. Okay. One of one of the goals of the foundation is to bring Dr. Barnes to New Bedford to do training. I Mm. find it so fascinating and amazing. Now, Dr. Barnes not only does training for um, for professionals, mental health professionals, but mm-hmm. she does it for everyday community folk. Very nice. Right? And her training, and she's a master trainer for this type of training. It's called QPR. It's question, persuade, and refer. Okay. I'm going to tell you that it only took, in listening to her on a podcast, it took this one narrative and I said, oh, we need her in New Bedford, right? Mm-hmm. She said, oftentimes you hear from people, right? They they mean well, they don't know what to do when their friend says that they're gonna that they, they're gonna commit suicide. So they yeah. think by talking to them that they're gonna be okay. And then mm-hmm. the person puts on their mask and says, Yeah, I'm not gonna do anything, right? Which is what Ethan did. Um, but when you talk to, uh, people, she said, um, that oftentimes people will say, I, I gave him my promise. I wouldn't tell anybody. Mm -hmm. Right. And I didn't want to lose him as a friend. And I think many folks have been in that situation. Right. But no one tells us, gives us an alternative. Right. Dr. Donna Barnes says, I always have conversations with people about that in my trainings. And I say, the way I see it, we have, you have two choices. We cannot tell. We can keep it amongst our friends. Mm-hmm. And there's probably a 95% chance that your friend is going to complete suicide. Wow. Or what we can do is we can question, persuade, and refer Right. And yes, your friend probably will get really mad with you. Right. Yeah. But they're not doing well. They're not in the right space. As they begin to get better, they will understand that what you did was an act of love. Right. And at least your friend will be alive mm-hmm. for you to be able to work on that and mend that friendship. Yeah. I don't think yeah. I haven't heard anybody give that reasoning before. Right. Yeah. First it's, time I heard that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's something that folks can identify with. Right. Um, and so she does this cultural competency um, QPR training, which is based on some of the things of how suicide looks in black and brown communities and doesn't look in other communities. You know, so it is just 
so important for us to have an understanding at least of what we can do, right? Or what needs to happen. Thank you, Rhonda. What needs to happen? And I am so looking forward to, there's a couple of, I can't speak on it really, but there's mm -hmm. a couple of institutions here in this area that are looking to partner to bring Dr. Barnes to New Bedford. And by the way, she's no relation whatsoever. <laughs> but looking to bring her to New Bedford um, and also working with um, some resources from Boston Medical Center, mm -hmm. used to be the old Boston City Hospital. That is the teaching hospital for Boston University Medical School. So mm -hmm. some folks have said, let me know what you need, right? That's great. And we will do that. And another thing I wanted to mention, and when I mentioned it to a couple of law schools, they said, we never thought of it that way. Let's have some more conversation. Mm -hmm. So as a woman, I can go to probably BU Law School, um, UMass Law School, and all the law schools have what is called clinics. The clinics are when law students under the supervision of a licensed law faculty person, right, does pro bono work. Yeah. I can walk to walk into any of them and say, I need help, right, with gaining custody, visitation, or anything, right? And I'll get that for free. Wow. I'm not saying that they turn men away, but what I'm saying is it's not well advertised that men can get those same services, right? Yeah. How many people in the city of New Bedford do you know that have the financial resources to pay an attorney or retainer? Not too many. So that's another stressor, right? Mm -hmm. That's another stressor. So, you know, what the foundation hopefully, well, what the foundation, not hopefully, what the foundation wants to do the goals are to give scholarships for someone who's pursuing an associate's degree in construction management, because um, that was Ethan's major, someone who's pursuing a bachelor's degree in construction management, um, also stipends, not to pay for the whole union membership, because I don't believe in that. You get mm -hmm. in and you stick with it when you have to say, I had to put a thousand dollars out for that. I, I don't care. It's cold. I'm, you know, I'm staying with this. Right. Yes. But I do know that Ethan was working really hard to get a lot of people from this area into the union. And I can't remember whether it's 1500 or whether it's $2,000, but hmm. for most of us, you know, for most young people, they don't have that kind of money. That's why they're trying to get in the union, right? Mm -hmm. Get a good job. Now, in addition to that, another stipend to help them pay for tools. Because that was the other thing that he had to do, as well as the boots. The boots alone are close to $200. Exactly. You know, so you feel like you are, let's just say you're an everyday kid from the New Bedford community. Your parents come from humble means. They can't give you any money. It means that you can't get a job. So mm -hmm. the, the goal is to be able to supplement them 
So that if it's 2000, maybe they only have to come up with a thousand, right? Exactly. Um, something like that. And then the last thing is, and I am in, in conversation with his union um, and they're very interested in how we can partner on that. And then the last thing that Ethan was getting so excited about um, where he would say to me, you know, mom, um, a lot of these, a lot of the girls here, women here in New Bedford, um, their their children's fathers aren't involved in their lives, right? And he would say, you know, if they got involved in the union and they did carpentry work, it's hard work, right? By the time you hit six years, you're making over $100,000 a year. Very nice. And he said, you know, they can support themselves. They can buy a house. They can take care of their kids. You know, the kids now have the opportunity to go to a trade school or college or whatever. It's not right if the dad's not um, participating, but at least they and their children stand a chance. And so I am looking at, you know, um, having conversations with the union. Well, actually, we're supposed to get back together to talk about the stipends and to talk about how we can get more women from New Bedford, right, involved in the apprentice program and in the union. So those were the things that were important to him and so important that he was giving people money out of his pocket mm -hmm. to help them with the union dues, to help them with um, tools, to help them with boots. He was giving away some of his older tools so that people could start, so they could get a start in life, right? Um, Amazing. But, but what I want to say about that is... While it's a good thing, and I taught, you know, we grew up in that you give, you know, that you give to others. Ethan's heart was so big, and I didn't know this until much later, that, you know, some of the times when he gave to others, he didn't have food. Hmm. He gave them his food money, right? Yeah. But he just wanted them to have a shot. He wanted hmm. them to have a shot because he knew what it was like not to be able to support yourself or support your children the way that you would like to, yeah. you know, so we, we have to do better, right? So that in order for someone else to have, doesn't mean that I shouldn't be able to eat. I shouldn't mm -hmm. be able to pay my bills. Right. And, and if we're really talking about, I'm disrupting suicide amongst Brown and black men, we have to, look at oppression and understand that not being able to get a job, right? Or not being able to get a job with a livable wage or, and folks will say, some folks may say, oh, that was such a long time ago, right? Mm -hmm. But I remember Ethan was taking a business class at New Bedford High School and he kept talking about, probably was his junior year, and he kept talking about this particular teacher. And I believed him I can't explain it. Like when you believe it, but you're like, this, he must be misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. Myself and my mom went to open house with Ethan. And the teacher said that um, Ethan had told her that he was, no, he told her that he was going to college. Mm hmm she told him and the class, the whole class, but she said, oh, you probably have to go to BCC. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but yeah. 
like, but my mother, my mother and my father both went to school, have master's degrees. And my mother works at Bridgewater. I'll probably go to Bridgewater. And the teacher said to him, your mother has very high expectations. Wow. And that crushed him, you know, Mm -hmm. crushed him. Um, And crushed him to a point where he was like, why, you know, they, they just see me by my skin color. They just see me by the street that I live on. They don't see me like you see me, so it doesn't really marry. Uh, doesn't really matter, Mom. True. So and they have those, these. Have these uh, they like to put us in a black box. Mm-hmm. And um, little do they know that um, there's a lot of intelligent folks, whether they're coming from a poorest of poorest neighborhoods mm-hmm. or, or the skin is you know, black or brown or even white. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just, they put people in such a, such a box. And, and I, I don't like when people do that because it could have very easily happened to them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I'm gonna go off track, but I, I just um in fact I'm not going to, but um that's no, another please. topic. That's a it it's what happens is um this so many teachers and I don't want to say teachers because you know how dear a lot of them are to me. Mm-hmm. Um the, it, I'll just say some people just tend to um they restrict people when they're supposed to help the people, helping us, helping the student. And it's, I think it's so much easier to help someone than to restrict them. When you restrict them, that's what happens is now you got to explain yourself why you're restricting this student to go to this institution or that institution. Mm-hmm. And even if you want to say that he or she should go to um, a community college well just say hey I got a great community college for you why don't you give that community college uh, um, some standing you know it's there for yes. a reason yes you know and say this is this will be a great opportunity I have some friends there if you're interested just tell mom and dad that I can put you in the right track right instead of making it positive instead of negative right and and right that might have been a better ethan would have perceived that a little bit better Mm -hmm. he would have he would have perceived it a little bit better um and 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 maybe said all right she's on my side yes compared to she isn't on my side um and that's why I miss being involved in the schools because there was, there was those type of conversations that I was around, or I was actually to kind of bring a student to in that direction to say, hey, you know, Mister Mister So and So, Mrs. So and So, listen, this kid is great. He's going to excel. I think mm-hmm. he should go to an institution close by, maybe Bridgewater maybe BCC, maybe mm-hmm. UMass Dartmouth. 
um, what can we do for him? Um, and but anyway, see, uh, education got me going, you know. Mm -hmm. And even like when you talk about carpentry, Ethan knew what he wanted to do, and that carpentry was for him. Mm -hmm. There's so many students in the city, in this area, and say, "Look, I'm tired of carrying a book. I want to carry a bag full of tools. Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to drive a truck." I want mm -hmm. to do what I need to do right now. Um, and um, I, I'm a pro pro trade school. Mm -hmm. Pro, um, I'm, I'm just, I, if I could do it all over again, <coughs> I'd definitely be an electrician or plumber somewhere. You know, but I, my path was in another direction. You know? mm -hmm. So, but anyways, so I just want to clarify something. It's mm -hmm. not that I think that, you know, BCC or community college is not a good route to take. Right. Um, because if I did, we wouldn't be leaning towards that for one of the scholarships. But mm -hmm. it was, as you said, it was the shadow that this teacher cast upon community college. Right. Mm -hmm when the students were talking about going to a four-year school to say, no, you, you, you'd be better off starting at community college, right? Now, even if that was a student that was struggling with their grades and community college was, you know, the best route for them to take to be successful, um, there's, as you said, it's the way that you deliver the narrative. Because mm -hmm. I will tell you that um, the previous president of Bridgewater State College which was a man of color, uh, Dr. Mm -hmm. Dana Molifaria. Um, yep. And his son was a, an honor student in high school. And his son finished up his classes early in his senior year. So the last half of his senior year, he was going to Cape Cod Community College, taking some of the courses that mm -hmm. are much cheaper at the community college yeah. before he mm -hmm. transferred in to Bridgewater. You know, yes. so there's that. And then the other thing is like, I remember Ethan and Maurice, his older brother Maurice, both worked at um, Bridgewater. Ethan started working there when he was like 13, mm -hmm. 13 years old. He had a work permit and they were on the paint crew. And I remember Ethan saying um, how Dana and they used to like being, why does he talk to me? He's the president, right? <laughs> how, how Dana would say to him, you and Dre's kids? And, you know, Maurice is like, why do you, you know, how do you know? Or something like that. And Dana said, because you have her face, right? Yeah. Um, but he would take time to talk to them, you know, and to talk to them about what their dreams were, to talk to them about how he got to where he was, to talk to him, to tell them, stop by my office anytime, right? It's just that when they got back to the city, it just seemed like there wasn't an abundance of that, right? Mm -hmm. There was more of telling them, whether it was by words or by actions, what they couldn't do than telling them what they could and the things that maybe were difficult, mapping out outside of the home, right? How do you get to that place where you intend to end up at, right? Um, and it just 
wasn't happening. The reason why I mentioned that, because that all contributes towards one's emotional wellness, right? That when you're having, you're going through a difficult time, if you're used to a system, a particular system telling you that you're not good enough, right? On that bad day, you believe it. You believe it. Yes, you do. So. It's, um, we, I'm just reading something, I'm sorry. It's okay. The, um, we, we have to, um, stay strong, stay stern with a lot of things that we're doing because, um, social media has become a, a real, I don't want to say deterrent, but it's it's become it's become a role model, believe it or not, whether you want to mm-hmm. say good, bad, or ugly. Mm-hmm. And um, some things have been misleading a lot of people in certain directions, um, including our kids, um, where um, it's become a priority. And one of the things I try to do with this podcast is is to highlight the the right stuff highlight people, highlight role models. So when they're, when they are on social media, they're looking at something, they're looking at a program where you're on, you know, I'm on, and we're we're discussing issues like suicide. (laughs) Um, Believe it or not, um, when I first met Ethan, what, maybe 11, 10 years old, I think, Um, maybe 11, even at that age, the young kids are, t- are talking about it. You know, they are already talking about it yes. um, on a regular basis. Um, and um, I mean, we had that infamous case right here in Fairhaven. It's a young girl talking to her boyfriend, telling him, encouraging him to do it. Yep. Um, so, but. All in all, all I'm saying is that I want you to continue to get the message out. I'm going to do it also. Thank you. F- feel free that this is this is your podcast for anything whatsoever that you need, um, and it may be a it may be something where you say, "Look, Charlie, I want to be the host tonight." So let's play. Let's change roles right now. I want to host this podcast, but I want to use your platform, and, and and I would just reverse the roles right here, you know, and, and you. you can pretty much do what you want, yeah, do Thank what you, you want, and um, whether it's, uh, you know, I have the capability of putting 10 people on the screen, so we can, okay. you know, but I try to, I try to keep it at, you know, three or four, that way it becomes a more, a better discussion, you know, because when you have a huge amount of people, you can never reach everybody that you want to. And if you do reach them, I got (laughs) to limit them to one or two minutes and it's just not fair. So the, um, let's see, got a couple of comments here. Um, Let's see, I'll read this for you. Ethan sounded like a wonderful man with social media and the way the world is going. How are Ethan's children doing? And what is the conversation like 
any advice for mothers um, that have littles? Um, <clears throat> Ethan's children are, I would say that they're doing okay, right? But he had a very close relationship with them. So they, you know, they miss him tremendously. Ethan's son talks about Ethan all the time and talks about Ethan being an, an angel or talks about, you know, different signs that his dad is there. Um, Ethan's daughter, <clears throat> who will be 13 later this month, um, I think it's much, you know, it's much harder. Number one, she's going to be 13. That's tough. Just, wow. yes. You know, that's, wow. a, that's, a, that's a difficult stage in life, right? And um, Piaget referred to it, the therapist Piaget referred to it as storm and stress, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, it still holds true, right? So it's, I would say it's really hard for her, you know? Um, the advice that I would have for someone that has littles is to get them in therapy, mm -hmm. right? And therapy for kids looks very different than therapy does for adults because they can I do agree. groups. They have summer grief camps, things like that. And that's very therapeutic and it's important, right? Kids are so um, intuitive. So mm -hmm. they may not talk to us about what they're feeling because they don't want to make us sad, right? And so they're holding it in, but you get them around other kids, right? You get them around other kids and with someone with a trained therapist, right? It makes a difference. It helps them to cope in a healthy way. I agree. I agree. And it's a great, great atmosphere for them. Um, mm -hmm. And they absorb things like a sponge in that atmosphere. Um, so in those atmospheres, and um, I've seen it work. Seen it work many, many times, mm -hmm. and, and uh, so. But that was some great advice. Um, all right, my friend, we got a little over an hour. Um, what I want to do is um, ask you, who would you like to see on the Really Charlie podcast? I'd have to give that some thought. Um, but I have a couple of people in mind. Um, there's a, a amazing brother that lost his son to suicide about 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And his way of coping was that he got very involved and has been banging that drum for resources for black <clears throat> and brown males. And so much so that in the spring, like I think like May, a school of psychology outside of Boston gave him a PhD, an honorary PhD for the work that he does. Um, and, you know, I'd like to see, to, to have him share his story. And, you know, he'll say it's been over 10 years and he can't mention his son's name without crying, wow. you know, and he makes himself vulnerable. Um, and he's on some national boards of the Samaritans, of NAMI, things like that. And he does a lot of work. So I'd like to see him. I'm not mentioning his name because I haven't spoken to him yet. Yeah. 
And then there's an amazing young um, female doctor at Boston Medical Center that um, is very experienced in emergency care. Mm-hmm. I would like to bring her on as, you know, as well, but I got to talk to her first. So I think that they would be fairly amazing. And then I'm sure that there's someone maybe locally um, okay. that we may want to bring on. But Perfect. I will, uh, you know, I will definitely put them on the schedule once I know who they are and they agree. Mm-hmm. Definitely mm-hmm. do that. And um, um, but once again, feel free. You want to do this again? You let me know. We'll do it again. Um, if it's something that you want to make it, um, you know, once a month, you can do that. But I just want you to have this invitation uh, to always come on the Really Charlie podcast, especially mm-hmm. where, you know, where you're busy and you got plenty of things to do. You can probably set up a podcast and do it on a regular basis. But I want to let you know that. I'll do all this dirty work, you know, the cleanup and all that other stuff, you know, I'll just kind of, I'll do it all for you. Um, so if you want to do something, let me know. And then uh, I will we'll put it on the air. Thank you so much. I so, so appreciate you and this opportunity, but more so. I appreciate the love. That you I love you. I love you. I love you. Gave to Ethan. I will forever be grateful for that. It doesn't stop. I want to continue to do that in uh, in other ways, whether it's through, you know, me giving my love to you, to his children, to anyone in the family um, that he was a huge part of. I would like to do that um, in, in in memory of him, in honor of him. I'll definitely see you on the 16th. Thank and, you. Um, I'll take care of my registration as soon as Friday, and then I'll, we'll go from there. Okay. Thank you, Charlie. All right. I love you dearly. Love you, and, too. And Mimi, give me a call. I will. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Great woman. Great woman. With a heart of gold, so many things going on. Um, and she calls him baby boy. And if you see and if you ever experience and, and, and seen both of them together, you would understand. When she says baby boy, that means a lot. The endearment, everything is just, you know, you can see it, you can feel it. And I was able to do, um, to feel that for many, many years. So I, for one, love and miss Ethan Bonds. And I will continue to do things in his name as much as I can. You're welcome, Claudia. Thank you for listening and, and being part of this podcast. Your dear cousin did need you, does need you. And please, everyone, uh, Let's, let's listen and, and watch for the signs when it comes to our family and friends. It's real, real important. Um, all right, everyone. The 
The Really Cali Podcast is brought to you through StreamYard on Anchor, Spotify, Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. And currently, uh, I just added Fireside, the Fireside app. And I'm going to be doing different shows on there. I'll be on uh, Fireside tomorrow at 7 p.m. Um, with my new thing. It's called Did You Know Stuff. Did You Know Stuff? And I will be bringing things to you on Fireside. Just certain facts and, you know, history things about things that you may have not known. And uh, I bring it up. Fireside is good. So please, please join Fireside. Put it on your Apple phone and, and just put the app. It's a great, great platform. All right. I will see you guys next week. Got a great, great schedule of guests coming up throughout the month of October and November. So continue to tune in to the Really Charlie podcast. Love you guys. God bless. And I'm going to end this podcast with my favorite song by Lionel Peter Walker. And um, this man did a wonderful job. Everyone loves this song. But it's my favorite. All right, everyone. Enjoy it. Please share, share this podcast. It's very, very important. Suicide is amongst us all. Take care. It's the really Charlie podcast. Yeah, it's the really Charlie podcast. Yo, yo, it's the really Charlie podcast. Bumping to your broadcast. Grab a chair, fill your glass. Yeah, it's the really Charlie podcast. Yo, it's the really Charlie podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's the really Charlie podcast. Bumping to your broadcast. Grab a chair, fill your glass. podcast a weekly show with the one person to make you say really charlie on the really charlie podcast tune in